Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Bruni's Breakdown, the 24-7 Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Bruni, and joining me is John Fields at this late night hour, post-midnight podcast, John, the first one for you. Um, you know, Colin, Colin and I did this a few times uh, or after home and road games, and they're always fun. They're always just so much fun. And um, yeah, so this is your first one. Yeah, man. Feels good. It's very uh, Pac-12 after dark kind of vibes, man. It's, yeah. uh, you know, all, all the crazy stuff happens after midnight, right? Filters yeah. drop a little bit, you know, it's no holds barred kind of a deal. But yeah, we, uh, we could just say I actually whatever. Wanted to, uh, I wanted to start out by, uh, you know, holding myself accountable a little bit here because coming into this game, we had a little fun on Twitter. I picked North Texas to win 24 to 20. You picked a close game as well as Marshall winning. And uh, I just wanted to hold myself accountable to the fact that uh, what we saw out there on the field was very far away from a 24 to 20 North Texas win. I think that score was actually out the window pretty shortly into the second quarter. So, uh, you know, the the good, the bad and the ugly, I I feel like, you know, it was important for me to come out and say that I was flat out wrong. There you go. It's that's that's what I like to hear. I like to hear accountability. I was wrong as well. I had a three point game and it was not even close to that it was so I'm, i can't even take a w in that um <laughs> i actually and i tweeted this out before the game i thought i i really thought north texas was going to cover the 11 point spread i thought that they were going to at very least keep it close and you know have a chance to come down the stretch to win the game and for those who watched the game and for those who didn't because i don't blame anybody for not watching this game after the first quarter um yeah. Marshall ends up winning 49 to 21 Marshall dominated the game from start to finish and was helped out by a litany of North Texas mistakes, whether that be penalties or whether that be just bad snaps, whether that be miscommunications. I mean, you just go down the list and it was everything you could imagine to go wrong in a football game. This North Texas team did it. And they, how, what was the final penalty numbers here? I believe it was 17 penalties for 161 yards. Yeah. And it's I most it up. since at least 2018, they haven't had that many, at least in 2018 until now. I, I doubt that they've had it like at any point in recently, because I went and looked it up. The most penalty yards ever committed in a college football game was 1986 with 199. Oh man. So they were only 36 yards away from the most penalty yards of all time. They were yeah. 163 yards, and some of those were declined, and some penalties were declined too, which you mentioned. Like this, easily could have been a 200 penalty yard game if some of those are accepted. If this is, you know, if this game was competitive at all for any a portion of time, I mean, you you know, you can take us wherever you want to start. Uh, I think the penalties and mistakes might be the spot, but you know, you you lead us into it. Oh, no, 100%. I mean, the penalties is the biggest story. I just tweeted out a few minutes ago my story digging into just how ridiculous the penalty issues were. I think it was nine of the 17 penalties came in the first quarter, something like that, something ridiculous. Um, But, I mean, just from the start, it was ridiculous issues. And like you said, it could have been even worse because there was an offside penalty on Quinn Whitlock in the first quarter that was declined. There were a few times where both teams had offsetting penalties that I think probably – made the numbers look better for North Texas at the end than they really could have. But uh, yeah, here, actually I have a list of all the penalties here. So I just wanted to go through and briefly uh, read through what we had here. So in the first quarter, 
got offsides on Sean Thomas Faulkner, unsportsmanlike conduct on Zaglio McMillan, offsides on Quinn Whitlock, which was declined, personal foul on Asher Alberding, illegal formation on a punt, kick catch interference on the next punt, roughing the passer on Grayson Murphy, pass interference on Quinn Whitlock, another pass, roughing the passer on Grayson Murphy. That's all just the first quarter there, folks. Oh, my God. We get to the second quarter. Unsportsmanlike penalty on DeAndre Torrey. False start on Dazion Carroll. Hold on Jacob Brammer in the third quarter. Another hold on Jacob Brammer in the third quarter. False start on Gabe Blair in the third quarter. Then fourth quarter, you get a personal foul on Deion Noville, illegal block in the back by Jordan Brown, and an offsides on Sinke Williams on a kickoff. Just just let that sink in for a second. Yeah. Just, I don't even – there were the – the worst one, I actually no, I can't pick a worse one because you go down there and you're like, who was the 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 kick catch interference one on? Do you have that? Uh, I think I do. Let's. That see was on a, yeah, Dylan that was Williams. Dillian Williams. Yeah, Dylan Williams. Yeah. And he turns around after he does it, like he got pushed in the back, and you look at the replay, and there was nobody within like five yards of him, and he just goes storming into the guy's legs, and everybody yeah. around him is just like, what are you? What are you doing? What are you like? What is this? Like the Murphy penalties were just so stupid. I mean, the only one that I will give a slight pass on is the Ziggler McMillan one where he spins the ball on his own sideline. Yeah. Not even towards an opponent. The opponent's walking away and gets a penalty for that. Like that was, that was ridiculous. That, that one I'll give Ziggler McMillan. That's some BS, but all the other ones were basically just unacceptable. I, I, I hate to, and on penalties, a lot of times are associated with coaching, right? Like mistakes, penalties, all associated with coaching. And I don't have a problem with anybody doing that um, in part because these are all guys that they have recruited. These are all guys that they have, you know, these are not guys that they are just inheriting. These are, again, the coaching staff has been here for six years at this point. We, they know who they have on their team and they know the situations that they're putting them in. And as we said on the, I think it was the last podcast or two, I think, yeah, it was the last podcast. The Murphy brothers out here jumping off sides every time, getting oh, rough in the passer penalties. I'm out here asking people, would you bench them? Like, that's the point we're at right now, where the Murphy brothers seem like they're incapable of playing because the third down penalty, uh, rough or unnecessary roughness penalty gave Marshall a touchdown. And that's what yep. put it to 14 to zero, if I'm not mistaken. In the first quarter, You're correct. You're correct. So, and the whole time we're like, all right, you got to hold them the three. You got to hold them the three. They hold them the three, and then they do that, and you're just giving them points and you're giving them momentum. And that's why I say they're borderline unplayable at this point because you're giving the other team like as 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 good as you are. Cool. Um, even though I thought I don't know how you know impactful they've been at at this point. They've made plays, but you know I don't. They're they're not significantly outweighing the. 30, let's say combined, they're giving up 40 yards a game on penalties. That's insane. That's insane. Yeah. No, and I don't, I agree with you. At some point with, you know, the depth and whatnot that we've talked about in the defensive line room, at some point you might have to look at going away from those guys because like you said, I don't think they've made a significant enough impact on the field in a positive way to outweigh all the penalties and stuff that we've, you know, been harping on for the last several weeks. And if you want to get into what you were talking about, as far as these are the guys they've recruited, one guy that looked awful on the night to me, you know, which isn't sort of a new thing or a surprise, but Quinn Whitlock got beat time after time after time. I mean, one of the notes I made, I think in the first quarter was Quinn Whitlock is getting targeted and beaten all game. 
Yep. Because that was just happening on a regular basis. You want to talk about Murphy? I wrote down, obviously, the roughing the passer penalties. How do you get two of those in the same game? Like, after one of them, you'd think, hey, maybe I shouldn't do that a second time. But here we go, and we see it happen again. And then I think one of the striking things for me was in the receiving core. You get Zigliel McMillan, Damon Ward Jr., and Rod Burns are the three starting receivers, right? Lorenzo Thompson and Bryson Jackson were both available for this game, and they actually both got into the game later on but they didn't start and those are supposed to be some of the better receivers in that room coming in I mean those are guys you bring in and people were excited about during the offseason those guys aren't even starting and I don't know if it's because of injury issues partially because I know Lorenzo Thompson has been banged up a bit Bryson Jackson's been banged up at times but at, at some point those guys are available for this game so they're healthy enough to play why are those guys not starting I mean that raises big time questions for me about the recruiting and the talent level and everything surrounding this coaching staff and this team. Yep. Um, and to, to, to continue just expanding on why this game, why I can understand such an emotional reaction from fans and people about this game is because this is a game that you can't lose. And at, yeah. the, at the very least, if you lose, you have to look competitive. We were talking about on the, I mean, we we're talking about it. Um, I don't know who was I talking. Were, were we talking about it? Where we were like this Marshall? Yeah, it was on the last podcast. Where we were like Marshall hasn't done anything. They've beat Old Dominion in overtime. They lost to Middle Tennessee, and I went back and looked at the Middle Tennessee game. They turned the ball over a lot. They went down. They were down. I think it was uh, thirty-four to fourteen going into the fourth quarter, something along those lines. Like this, this isn't a Marshall team that looks like it's a dominant team. It's probably the worst of any of these teams you're facing in this six-game stretch. So you have to go out here at home and put up a fight, put up a fight nonetheless, like at the very least, because, and you have Liberty coming up next week, which we're not even going to talk about. Um, So this, this is it. This was pretty much it. This was the season for me. This was it. Like you can't, you can't go out here and stink it up and expect me as a onlooker to not form my not solidify my opinions of this team from this because Marshall is what Marshall is and Marshall has had the same quarterback the past couple of years uh, in Grant Wells they have uh, Xavier Gaines I believe his name is at tight end he's a, and he's a good player um, at running back we know they have uh, Rasheen Ali good player they're not special they're not and there's a reason that they've almost lost the last two games against sub pretty poor teams. And for North Texas to go out there and, I mean, if you if we want to talk about, let's let's stay on the defense for a second. And I mean, I, there 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 wasn't Marshall Marshall came into this game as one of the worst red zone team, red zone teams in the in the country, and they go six of six in the red zone for seven or for forty two points, so for six touchdowns. They're, they're, remember when we were like, hey, bend, don't break against SMU. They're just breaking. They're just breaking. And yeah. the last thing I'll say is Phil Bennett came over here. I don't want to say he was arrogant. I've said this before. Phil Bennett comes over here and he's like, you know, I think Seth just needs a little bit of help on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, I can bring that to him. And he just hasn't. It's just been, it hasn't worked. They look undisciplined. They look out of sync and they look awful. So, you know, he can't do it. And, the talent on this defense just isn't there. It's not there. We've gone through three coordinators. It's gone. The defense is is a lost cause. Yeah, I mean, I there's not really anything I can say to really dispute that because, I mean, just looking at the results and the facts of how it's played out, 
this defense hasn't been good. You talk about last week against Missouri. I think it was five straight possessions. They gave up scores in the first half. Now this week against Marshall, they give up touchdowns on six straight drives. Like this defense hasn't shown that it's capable of more than maybe two good quarters of football on its best days. You know, you want to talk about the SMU game where they give up seven points in the first half. Yeah. That's looking like the absolute best case scenario for this defense where they end up going on to give up 28 points in the second half. And I wanted to get back to what you said about Marshall not looking dominant against Middle Tennessee or against Old Dominion. Old Dominion didn't even play football last year at all. Yeah. And yet they get a 20 to 13 loss. Middle Tennessee actually beats Marshall and North Texas loses by, I mean, 49 to 21. Like it's not even a close game. And every game that Marshall's played this year, aside from its season over opener against Navy, it was a close game. So I mean, we came in talking about how this was a must-win game, how this should be a competitive game, and North Texas just completely wets the bed, and, I mean, it's over by halftime. It's it's a – it's like I'm I, – so I went to – the second half was a snooze fest, obviously, for me. Yeah. I was I was watching – I watched it. I had it up. But, you know, I'm on my computer looking up things just to for, – for my memory – I'm going through the the entire country, 130 teams, 131, whatever teams. I'm just like, ah, North Texas. I'm out. If if they played on a neutral field, North Texas would not be favored. Like I'm looking yeah. at conference USA, like maybe better than Southern Miss. Like I don't think they're better than Rice, but it's like right there, like cool. Like that's that's the comp that's the competition you're in right now. And then you go across the country, and I can't name ten teams that are definitively worse than North Texas right now. And that's the point that we're at right now because Marshall, you're, you're not going to convince me that Marshall is a top 100 team in the country. You're not going to probably not going to convince me that top like 110 team in the country. They're, they're probably in that range of 100 to 110 and you're getting blown out, blown out. And yeah. so I, I don't have anything else on the, on the defense. Do you, I mean, um, the, the run, the, the run game, Rasheed Ali and them, they didn't even he had 109 yards on 20 carries, two touchdowns. Um, Grant Wells looked like a god out there, 24 of 32. Again, like you said, Quinn Whitlock just got burned time and time again. Mikhail Sanders yeah. was underwhelming. Deshaun Gaddy was underwhelming. Well, here's one thing I guess I'll say. The linebackers, which I, I don't remember when we talked about this. I think we talked about this before the season. We definitely did when Colin and I did the uh the position preview podcast. We talked about the linebackers. And I would continue to say Tyreek Davis and Katie Davis, Larry Nixon, Kevin Wood, all these guys we perceive to be good players at the very least. You know, not great, not nothing special, yeah. but good. And I've said it before on this podcast, the they just don't impact the game. They don't. And you can blame some of that on the defense line if you want. Cool. Sure. I thought the defense line was probably the best unit of the defense because they knocked Jackson, made some plays and some other players, but the, the linebackers just are there and they, they can make plays, but they're not making plays. Like that's the discrepancy here. And that's just what I watched this game. And I'm like, is Tyreek Davis going to do anything besides hit a running back that's coming across the field, like looking for the ball and get a penalty off that? Like is Katie Davis going to do anything besides making the obvious tackle that's in front of him and getting up and celebrating? Like, I just, I, I, it's the same thing every single year, the past three years, the defense has sucked. And we're looking at these linebackers like, Oh, you know, they're fast. They can do some things. No, man. At the end of the day, we have to put some emphasis on them because if anything else of the past three years, they've had the same linebackers. 
Yeah. That's the one consistent here. Like if we're going to start pointing fingers, the secondary, yes, yeah, sucks. Cool. Defense line's undisciplined. Yeah. But the linebackers have been the same every single year and it's been the same result. They cannot play and you have to get somebody else in here. They've gone through three coordinators at this point and nothing has changed. That's yeah. that, that's all I have on the defense. You can wrap it up. Well, yeah. And I've got a little more to add on to it because I think I might have a hot take uh, for our midnight podcast. Let's here, do past it. Past midnight podcast. Do it. I think Harold West needs to start at cornerback now, man. He has the one interception on Wells. I mean, look, it's a terrible pass, yeah. but Harold West gets to pick. And he didn't look nearly as bad as Quinn Whitlock did last night. I'd I will say probably, Whitlock. probably either either corner or safety, either either one uh, for yeah. him. Wherever they want to, wherever they feel like he's better at, because I feel like he's fast enough for either spot. Go ahead. Yeah, but no, I think they need to start him after tonight. They they got to get Whitlock off the field in some form or fashion. I don't know how banged up Mikhail Sanders is. He was definitely all out on the bike at one point. Um, and that's when some other guys had come in. Greg Francis came in for him at one point. One of the other freshmen came in at safety at one point. But they got to shake up the secondary somehow because these guys, the current guys they have out there, Quinn Whitlock in particular, they're not getting the job done. So, yeah, that's my little hot take post-midnight thing. Good Harold take. West needs to start somehow on this defense. Good take. And while the defense of personnel I think is flawed and not up to snuff, I, again, it comes back to Seth the trail at the end of the day, right? You're hiring these coordinators. So maybe there is a chance. There's a non-zero percent chance that after Troy Reffitt, he's just hired two uncapable, not two coordinators that are not capable of doing the job at a high level, right? Like that, yeah. that might be what it is too. So I don't want to absolve him completely of, of, of anything. Cause I think Phil Bennett's been just yeah, like the season starts off and everybody loses their mind that they're in a four man front. And like, what the hell does that matter? They're not stopping the run. They're not doing anything special here. Like, come on, man. It, people just, they're just looking for things to, to praise. And they're not just, they're not watching. You're not watching the game, man. It's ridiculous. Um, let's yeah. go to the offense though. Let's go to the offense. Um, what do you, what do you want to start with the offense? Well, I want to start first with Austin Ani because it always starts at the quarterback position. They've only got him down for one interception on the live stats. He actually threw two picks. But, I mean, 16 of 30, 121 yards. Like, I was honestly checking after the game to make sure that they cleared 100 yards because I was like, maybe they did it again where they didn't break 100 yards because that's just – the passing game was really ineffective for most of the night. I mean, you get, you know, a big player or two here and there, but, I mean – Actually, not even really a big player, too. You get like a 15-yard pass play was the longest pass play of the night. Jason Pirtle is the leading receiver with five catches for 35 yards. Rod Burns gets four for 32. And then everybody else has, you know, a couple catches here and there. Nothing special, right? The pass game gave basically nothing. And, you know, I know these guys are injured, and I know the receiving core is banged up. But to me, a fair amount of that does have to come back on Austin Ani. But I will say, and I want to transition a little away from that as well, I don't think this offensive line has really been all that great either, man. I mean, been we've talked previously about them, you know, potentially being a strong suit of the team and, you know, being a solid part on this offense. Tonight they weren't great at all. And I think what really summed that up was a couple holding penalties on Jacob Brammer. I mean, we, when I ran through all the penalties, he had a couple of them in the third quarter where, I mean, he's supposed to be one of the captains and one of the mainstays on that offensive line unit. So if he's the guy that's getting penalties for you, who's supposed to be one of your better offensive linemen, clearly you're having issues across the entirety of the offensive line. So I don't even, I mean, 
to me, that sums up where the issues are, which is just across the board. You can't just blame Ani. You can't just blame the receiving core. Everybody on this offense, aside from maybe DeAndre Torrey, hasn't been good at all. They've, they've been awful. They've been awful. Um, that uh, Eli Neal guy on the edge just ate their lunch every single snap. He ends up with four tackles, one sack, two tackles for loss, one interception, and one quarterback hit. He just dominated the game in every way, shape, or form, and they had no answers for it. They were scared to death, holding, grabbing anything they could to try to stop him from getting an Austin Ani. Then Austin Ani tries to run away and gets sacked like he did on that fourth down. That was just an embarrassing play where he kind of stumbles and then goes down. Um, But, I mean, the uh, offensive line, I don't know how it has regressed to this point. Part of that is because I think of the offensive system that they are in this, this year and Again, like you said, it goes on everybody, the receiving core being banged up and not and and we talked about it before. I mean, if if you if you go into a game where Jason Pertle and Rod Burns are your top two receivers, you're not winning games. You're not yeah. winning games. Like we talked about that. I think we t- I don't remember which which game it was after. It was a little earlier in the season, but we were like, this Rod Burns stuff is great, but like when are they gonna like the, the actual like scholars guys who've been on scholarship for years or guys who are high three-star players, like going to start playing instead of Jason Pirtle and Rod Burns. Like at some point they have to step up. Nope. Nope. Like you said, Bryson Jackson doesn't play. Lorenzo Thompson basically doesn't play. I mean, they're throwing the ball out here to um, Rod Burns, J- Jason Pirtle and Hatib Lyles. Um, there was, the, I mean, they threw the ball to Ziggler McMillan too. And he dropped, at least one pass that I remember. Um, yeah, they, they credited him with three, three drops on the stat sheet. There you go. There you go. There you go. Um, they just, they, he was scared to death. And I don't really, I mean, I blame him because, I mean, you're a three star guy coming in. But regardless, Austin Ani is not a good quarterback. He's an awful quarterback. Jason Ruger, bad quarterback, awful quarterback. I, they, they have no options there at this point. I don't know. And I do think. The offensive system around them has changed from last year to this year. Last year, for some reason, and it's you had Mike Bush last year, but Mike Bush is calling plays more this year. Maybe that's it. Maybe Mike Bush isn't ready to call plays. Um, I don't, I'm not there. I don't know the ins and outs of what's happening, but you know, that was a big talk over the offseason was Mike Blesh calling the plays. Um that I it doesn't look like the offense of the last year at all. And that's even I think if you take Jalen Darn out of it, if you look at like the App State game from last year, it doesn't look like that game at all. Yeah. So I I don't know. I think everybody's regressed in a sense and is less confident, which hurts, but the offense, the play calling, the offensive scheme, just there's there's nothing to it. There's no pace, there's there's no um misdirection, there's nothing to it. So um yeah, no, I everybody on this offense at this moment is not good besides DeAndre Torrey. I'll give the offensive line a little bit of credit on the run blocking there, but for a lot of the game, the run blocking wasn't good, so I can't even give him that. Uh, yeah. Austin Ani is just – he's nothing. He's hes hes a lost cause. It's its done. It's done with him. And No, 100%. And, and the, other, the one other guy I do want to give some credit to is Iowa Day. He's listed redshirt freshman had career highs in pretty much every rushing category for him tonight. 12 carries, 86 yards, and the one touchdown, which was actually his first career touchdown on a – I think it was like a 19-yard run he got in the end zone on. So, shout-out to him for having a solid game. The run game was really the only bright spot, I think, across the entire team for this game. And even they weren't really that great. Like, Torrey ends up 20 runs for 179 yards. But, like, 
I think 130 of those came on two plays, yep. two big play touchdowns, like a yep. 75 yarder and like a 50 yarder. So you take those out of it and the rest of the game, they weren't getting really much of anything from anybody. And I think IU a day, most of those yards came third and fourth quarter, more garbage time stuff. So really there aren't any bright spots on this offense. If you weren't going to talk about the parts of the game where it was actually still a game, which wasn't much to be frank, no, but it was done. It was garbage time at the first half after the first half. Yeah. The whole second half was garbage time to me. So like it's, it's, and if you look at the first half numbers, it was 42 to seven. Yo, is that, I thought it was 35 to seven. Was it 42 to seven? No, it was 42 to oh, seven. It was 42 to seven. Yeah. Wow. Uh, 42 to seven, 348 yards to North Texas, 132. Um, pass yards, 280 to 41. Like, tell me how many how many games are you gonna win in the first half if you get out past or passing yards, uh, two eighty to forty one. Like, there's just one of seven on third downs for North Texas, five of eight for Marshall, uh, zero for one on fourth downs for North Texas. Time of possession, eighteen minutes to nine. Like, it's just well, and if you want to look at the first quarter in particular, I think this was sort of the stat that really hammered it home for me. But we talked about how they had nine penalties. I think they had eight yards of total offense in the first quarter. So they had more penalties than total yards in the entire first quarter. I mean, that just sums up the entire night there in one stat, just how awful these guys were from the start. Yeah. And I've, I've, I just, I've never seen this team. Like I've seen this team play bad. I've seen this program play bad. Like I've seen, um, I'm not going to act like I'm an old head that was back in like 2015. I didn't see the 2015 team, but since under set the trail, I've seen this team play bad. This was perhaps the first time that I felt like they were just lost, like had no direction, had no idea what they were doing, had had just had no discipline, had nothing to them. Like there were bad losses. There have been bad, bad losses under Seth the trail. We'll get into that later. But this was one where like UAB, the UAB lost earlier this year. I felt like UAB just beat the hell out of them and North Texas folded, just folded. But at least it was like, all right, North Texas, like, could kind of like try something here or there this there was nothing of that there was none of that there was no hope there was no direction there was no continuity there was no um the spirits were just dead and i mean it's just it became a pathetic performance in a game where i thought there was no shot in hell of them getting blown out and yet here we are yeah, well, and actually, I was just thinking about it, and there's one stat that I completely forgot to mention that's just absurd, too. At one point in this game, Grant Wells completed 18 passes <laughs> yeah. in a row. He had 15 in a row to end the second quarter, and he ended up with hitting three more in the third quarter before that. he finally threw a couple incompletions. That's actually a Marshall program record. Uh, I heard from one of my colleagues that broke uh, Byron Leftwich's well, well, Byron Leftwich was the guy who held the previous record. So Grant Wells broke that record with 18 straight completions. Move over, Byron Leftwich. Grant Wells is here <laughs> with 174 QBR, just dominating this game. No hope for North Texas coming in here. I just, I, I went back and I was listening to the podcast. I told you this before. Um, I was listening to the podcast with Colin and I from you know, throughout the season and stuff. And we were like, you know, if this defense can get to like a hundred, like top 100, just like the bare minimum. Cause last year they were 126. And, you know, if you look like statistically, um, I don't know where they would rank, 
because you know they had those like games against La Tech and uh, and SMU ish kind of uh, where they had like stretches, but like this isn't a top 100 defense. It's probably like 110 or so. But then you look at the offense, and it's probably it's probably bottom 10 in the country. Like yeah. they literally they can't do anything. They can't throw the ball. Like they have no they have nothing. So I, I'm 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 not gonna be a dead horse. Um, I'm just yeah I don't have that same just kind of pissed offness that I used to have like like two years ago where it was just like what the hell is happening right now it's just like this is embarrassing and yeah. it's absolutely embarrassing for a program for this coach and I don't understand people who don't see this as a problem when in this situation that North Texas is in like because North Texas if we want to open up a bigger jar of worms, North Texas, obviously Payne Luttrell, the highest in conference USA. I think it was number six in all of G5, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they're in DFW. They're recruiting well. It's just it's just not coming together. Yeah, well, and actually, I was thinking about it. I wanted to go and do some comparisons across Conference USA here. They've got the stats updated now through six games for North Texas, at least. So through tonight's game. North Texas is averaging 22 and a half points per game. That's 12th in Conference USA, only better than Rice and Southern Miss. That's below Old Dominion, below UAB's offense that somehow scored 40 on these guys. Um, and then you want to look at the defensive side. North Texas is 11th in points allowed per game at 35 points per game. So that's really not that much better than last year, I don't think. Nope. And, and last, then, year, last year you had Jalen Darden so to bail them out. Yeah, well, and then if we want to look on uh, the running side, that maybe is the one positive throughout the year, I guess, is that the run game, North Texas has the number one run game in Conference USA in terms of yards per game. But What, like, percent, what percentage of those do you think came in meaningful snaps? No, like, exactly. What percentage of them? Exactly. I mean, I, I don't know, 25% maybe. Oh, God, that's lower than I was going to say. I was going to say like 40, 50%. I mean, you know, I was probably being a little harsh with that, but like realistically, oh, I don't know, sure. man. It, it hasn't been a ton, that's for sure. And then if you want to look at the pass game, that's number 11 in Conference USA in yards per game, only ahead of Southern Miss, Rice, and Old Dominion. Old Dominion's got the worst. Um, offensive efficiency, North Texas is number 13, only ahead of Old Dominion. Behind Southern Miss, a Southern Miss team that, oh, man. Sucks. I mean, all the stuff that I've seen from them, it looks like they should be the worst team in Conference USA by far. Yeah. And yet they somehow still have a better offense than North Texas, even with the quarterback carousel they got going on over there. Disgusting. Just disgusting. I And <laughs> if you want to get even farther into it, I mean, it just keeps getting better, man, because I look at the defensive efficiency and North Texas is number 13 in Conference USA and defensive efficiency only above FIU below Southern Miss and Charlotte are the next two right above them. So, like, there's not there's a couple good stats you can point to. But anywhere you look, you know, even among Conference USA, which might be, you know, the worst or the second worst G5 conference, even Just among right those guys, North them. Texas is toward the bottom. Yeah. Nope. Like I said. This is this is is probably a bottom 10, 11, 12 team in the country right now, which is something that I mean, it's definitely the worst team under Seth Latrell for me. Yeah. Like this is this is it. This is this is the worst. 2019, 2020, they were bad, very bad. They at least had pulse. They had they had a pulse at times. This team doesn't have a pulse. No, no pulse. They are dead in the water 
watching themselves drown. It is, it is done. Like that, that's how bad it is. Um, I tweeted out if we want to, let's just keep talking stats. Um, I, the tweet that I put out, I'm sure a lot of people saw it at this point. Um, in the past three seasons from 2019 to 2021, North Texas has played 25 games against FBS opponents. And in those North Texas has lost by 21 or more points in 10 of those games while only winning six. And they've lost seven of those games by 28 or more points. So we're talking that in the past in 25 games against FBS opponents, they've won six, lost seven by 28 or more, and lost 10 by 21 or more. Like they're just getting there, they're not even close, John. They're not even close to being good. They're getting their teeth kicked in by any decent team. And we go, I always bring up the against the spread numbers, right? The the uh, the ATS numbers over the past um over the past uh since the win over Arkansas, or no, since the win over Liberty in 2018, they're now 11, 26, and 1. But I think the more damning number for me is that in the last 19 games, they are 1-19 and 19 as an underdog. Yeah. The last 19 times they've been an underdog, they're 1-18 and 18 in those games. They don't even have a chance against teams that have a little bit of talent. Like, look at their wins over the past three years, right? It's UTEP twice, it's Middle twice, it's Rice, and it is UTSA, that trash UTSA team. Like, those are their wins over the last three years against yeah. FBS teams. It's, it's unfathomable. If you look at – name me a sport where a coach can go – where a coach can uh, go 6 and 19 – in, in a stretch of games and not be fired or not be on the hot seat at, at a very, very hot seat. Like, or, and if you extend, extend that out to like a full basketball season, right. Or for a full baseball season or something like that, six and 19, like that's a twin, what's a 24% win percentage. And they're yeah. playing in conference USA. And yet <laughs> as a, He's getting paid as an as an as an AAC coach or even a low impact 12 coach. Like this is a coach that's getting paid like that. And any coach that comes to North Texas will get paid like that. That's what some people don't understand is that this is a market. This is a place where there's no reason why they're not good at football. This it's that that's that's what it is. I'll I'll, I'll stop ranting and let, let you talk. I'm sorry. No, I agree. I think, and I want to piggyback a little off what you were saying, because there really is no reason they shouldn't be good. All the investment in the program, they've got a brand spanking new practice facility on campus. They've got, you know, what some consider one of the better stadiums across the group of five, man. They, they have the facilities in place. They've made the financial commitment, as you said, to, you know, to Latrell as the highest paid coach in Conference USA. So they've made all the financial moves to try and make this team competitive. They're even bringing in some of the top classes in Conference USA in terms of recruiting rankings and that kind of thing. But none of it can translate to success for some reason. And it almost makes me wonder if this program is cursed or something like that, man. Because they put all of this money and all of this effort and energy into trying to have a competitive program. And just none of it seems to work. None of it has helped resurrect this team at all. And there was one thing I wanted to get at in terms of just looking ahead on the schedule a little bit here. I mean, we don't even have to talk about Liberty. We know how that game is going to go if this is how it went against Marshall. Liberty is going to kill them. 
I'm more excited to see Malik Willis at least get to play in that game and see one of the top quarterback prospects next year. But then if we go forward, I agree with you. I don't know that they'll be even favored against Rice. Maybe they'll be favored against Southern Miss, but it won't be by much. On the road. UTEP UTEP might might be a significant, like a substantial favorite over them by that point. Like UTEP's having an underrated good year. I know they haven't played anybody all that great, but they've beaten teams that they've needed to beat. And they've beaten the competition in front of them. FIU, I mean, I don't think North Texas is probably better than them at this point. And UTSA, I mean, come on now. With, with how they've played recently, I don't see any way in hell they beat UTSA. And so that's the thing to me is everybody, even during this losing streak, I've heard a lot of people talk about how well the schedule gets easier soon. You know, I still see them beating all four of those teams to get to like five or six wins this year. I don't see any way in hell they be they win more than two of those games at this point. And the best part is even if they win, let's say they beat Rice, Southern Miss, and FIU. Let's just say they beat those guys. Yeah. Um, I don't think any of those teams will be over 500 at that point. They have not beaten a team over 500 since 2017. <laughs> you man. They literally haven't beaten a team over 500 since then. Like, this and that's why I keep going back to their one and eighteen as an underdog in the last nineteen times they were were underdog. I think that's since the that is that's since the Liberty game. They've nineteen times they've been underdogs, and they're one and eighteen in those games. And the one win was against Middle Tennessee, which anybody with any brain knew that Middle Tennessee didn't deserve to be favored. That was their one win. They're not playing up to competition. He doesn't get the best out of his players. He doesn't scheme up better than other uh, than other coaches. Um, you can't even say people are like, oh, Graham Harrell left and now he, now that's done, right? Or, or Mason Fine left. The defense is perhaps though, an even bigger issue here that has yeah. never been solved. So he doesn't bring in good coaches. He doesn't bring in good players. And we didn't even talk about Deontay Simpson getting kicked off the team earlier, which couldn't have oh, helped boy. for distraction reasons or, you know, just I'm sure that the locker room was like, like, this is the dude we were playing with for the past two years. Like this, this, this is the dude, like, I don't want to talk about what he did. Like, this is, this is the dude that we're bringing in here. So now you start bringing into character questions, right? So it's lost. The season's lost. The locker room's lost. Um, I, I've, I've never been at this state before. Like I've always been like, okay, this is bad. He could get fired. If this happens, he could get fired. If that happens now, this is the point where you're like, no, it's done. Fire set the trail. I'm not saying it has to be now, but it has to be obviously at the end of the season at latest. Like it's done. It's just done. There's nothing. There's nothing else. And you went through the schedule already. And I think I see maybe I see <laughs> man, one, two wins. It doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't matter if they win one or two wins. It doesn't matter if they win three, I don't think. Because again, they're meaningless wins. They're meaningless. They've had their chances to punch up to the competition and they haven't done so. So it's, it's done to me. No, I a hundred percent agree with you on that. I mean, there's just, it just doesn't, I don't even know what to say at this point, really. Like there's no reason why this team should be this bad this year. I mean, I could understand them struggling because we've talked previously about how this, you know, front end of the schedule after Northwestern state was a tough schedule. But we've talked previously, too, about how they probably should have been able to find a way to beat Louisiana Tech without their starting quarterback. You know, if they don't 
play completely got awful against Missouri, who, I mean, God knows how bad those guys are. They might've had a chance to even beat those guys. So like, even with how bad this team is, they've still had opportunities to make the record look better than their talent level is or their skill level, whatever you want to call it. And they've squandered all of those opportunities anyway. So like, I mean, I don't understand. I, I would tend to agree with you. I don't see how there's any way, I mean, barring just some miraculous turnaround, which there's no reason to predict at this point, there's no way Seth Latrell needs to be coaching this team after this year. And it's the first time that I've ever been like actually upset that like he's coaching this team at this point. Cause I mean, I've talked to Seth Latrell. I mean, I've, I covered the guy for the past four years, basically. Right. This is uh, this year, obviously I haven't, but you know, this is a guy I have a relationship with, a guy I've seen up close personal. I've talked to him several times, gave him a call when I got the LSU job. And it's it's always someone I want the best for. And I I mean, you know, him getting fired is not the end of the world, right? It's not the end of his sure. obvious. I mean, come on. I mean, we know, we all know what this situation is. I mean, he had a great job for six years, like getting paid handsomely. This is, he's doing great in life. But this is the first time I've been angry at this point of him being the head coach, because this is where it starts to get embarrassing. Like, and this is where I start to feel, I, I I'm starting to understand more where the North Texas fan is coming from to a degree. Right. In the past last year, two years ago, all this stuff. I mean, hell there were people in 2019 saying he needs to be fired. And I was like, come on now. He just had back-to-back nine only seasons. What are you talking about? Yeah. Um, and this doesn't validate those at all. This does not, but this is the first time where I'm like, I'm actually frustrated because now you're looking at, I tweet, I put that tweet out of the, you know, the record of the last 25 games and you got, you and you got uh conference USA people just laughing at you, just laughing at you. You are now the laughing stock of the conference, despite paying your coach more than anybody else, despite having nicer facilities than 90% of the conference, if not the entire conference and getting better players recruiting wise and that's not BS. Those are legit recruiting rankings than anybody else. And here we are with me actually being upset that this team sucks because I thought that they had a chance to beat Marshall. I'm telling my friends, hey, man, that money line looks pretty good. You know, that's plus 300. That's three to one payout if North Texas wins. And I think they have a shot. You know, I think they can do some things. I definitely think they're going to cover. I'm telling my friends this, and I sound like an idiot now because North Texas is an embarrassment at this point. Yeah. No, I feel the same way, man. I mean, we were joking about it on Twitter, how I picked them to win 24 to 20. I mean, I was talking to a lot of people how I felt like, even when the original spread came out and it was like a 12 point spread, I was like, geez, that's way bigger than I thought it would have been. And I know you felt similarly, but like at some point, like I got tired of picking against these guys, but maybe I shouldn't have because clearly they haven't showed me any reason to pick for them. Yeah. I mean like the Missouri game, you know, they showed like flashes here and there. The, the, yeah. the La Tech game was like, all right, they, they held them in the second half and or the last three quarters basically did not scoring. I was like, maybe the defense could put some things together here. You know, SMU, same thing, you know, yeah, they, they make some plays here and there. I think Austin Arnie can get better. Just all my thinking going into it and all of that's gone because this team, the one game you have to win, if you win this game, you buy yourself hope and that's what coaches need right that's what i'm 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 over here at lsu right hope is all gone coach O's on the hot seat all right 
that's what you need as, as a coach is hope. And that's what those recruiting rankings brought this program. And it's gone. It's just all gone. You have no hope anymore. It doesn't matter what you do. doesn't matter if you win five games this season. I don't think, I really don't think if they beat everybody except for UTSA and Liberty on their schedule, that it matters. I, I can't see it mattering. I've just, this, this is, this is, this is, this is it, man. I, I have nothing more to say. You can take the floor or whatever you want to say. I, I, I'm, I'm done, man. I'm done with this team. And like you said, it's whatever the spread is, I'm betting Liberty next week. So there you go. No, absolutely. I agree with you on that. And uh, yeah, I guess sort of bring us home completely, bring us full circle from last week. You talked about how uh, last week we need to throw the season away if they lose to Marshall. I'm with you, man. Throw the damn season away at this point. It's over. It's gone. I've. It's gone. It's all gone. Um, trying to think. The last time I thought that it was probably, it was probably that. Sh- yeah, it was definitely that Charlotte loss in 2019. That was the last time I threw threw a season away. I think because that was when Charlotte scored five straight touchdowns to come back and beat them on a hail mary. That was probably it. I mean, the Rice one was a couple games later where it was just like that kicked him out of a bowl game for sure. Uh, but yeah, that was, this, this is way, way more, this is way more frustration built up into it. So yeah, I, I think it's done. The only question is when at this point, when will Seth the trophy fired? I, the buyout situation is always tough with the coach making that much money at a small school. Um, his contract does go through 2023, um, however, he's not making any incentives, you know, those are always a big thing with a coach. You know, I think he has a 1.3 million base salary that get, that could get up to 1.8. Um, at least that's what I understand it to be. Um, but he's not obviously not getting those incentives. So, you know, that might bump it down a little bit. So we'll see how that all plays out. Um, I don't expect anything this week. I don't know if I expect anything after Liberty. After that, I feel like all bets are off and you just, especially if just they're just getting blown out out of the water. Like if they go to Rice and get blown out, you pack it up, man, like at that point. So, no, 100%. I think I agree with you. Like coming into the season, we talked about it. Liberty is the toughest opponent. They probably we have on their schedule especially after we saw what missouri is liberty should by far be the toughest team on their schedule i mean liberty plays a bunch of conference usa teams and liberty would probably win cusa pretty easily i mean what the they do to they what they do to uab yeah i think they beat them pretty good 36 to 12 yeah a uab like, team that beat north texas 40 to 6 like come on man it's 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 gonna be ugly the only hope we have is if Liberty uh, has mercy. Like you said, Liberty beat Middle Tennessee 41 to 13. Liberty beat Old Dominion 45 to 17. Liberty um, beat um, beat UAB 36 to 12. Almost beat Syracuse, who almost it just fought with Clemson tonight. So we will see. Um, is there a bye week next week or what is it? Yes. No, there's not. No, there's not. I'm no, sorry. yeah, yeah. They, they've had the one by week, so we're done with those. Yeah, Liberty. Play, I was looking at the Liberty schedule, and I was like, why is oh, uh, Louisiana yeah. Monroe, they play ULM to, today, so. Gotcha. And then North Texas tomorrow, so, or next week. All right, man, that's all I had. You got anything else here? No, man, I think that's pretty much it. I think we've basically uh, beat the horse to death at this point, and then some. Should I name this podcast Fire South Patrol? I mean, that's the question here <laughs> at this point, you might as well, man, because I just I don't understand how 
I mean, there's no reason to keep him around at this point. Right. And that's no, I want to make that clear as well. I'm not trying to insult Seth Luttrell personally or anything like that. This has nothing to do with that. This is strictly about the on-field results and what he and his coaching staffs have been able to do with the resources they've been given, man. Like they've been given so many resources as we've talked about and they just haven't been able to turn it into wins. So it's strictly a business thing. Oh yeah. It's not, it's definitely nothing personal. Um, It's just the, where this program is at this point. So um yeah, I've I've never done that before. I've never been upset to this point before, but here we are. So um, thank you all for listening. Also, congratulations to John for becoming officially official uh, with uh, Mean Green 24-7. You know, round of applause for John over there. There you go. Congrats, man. Congrats. I'm sorry this is the first uh, uh, game you had to cover as a full-time or, uh, oh, you know, uh, 24-7 writer. It was only fitting, right? It was only fitting. I mean, if you want to think about games that sort of are indicative or defining of a program, it feels like this is one of those kind of games where it's like a welcome to North Texas kind of game. This is what it's like here. This is what it's like to cover this team. Yep. Hey, and you might be covering a coaching search soon. So buckle up, man. It it, (laughs) it gets fun once that happens. I mean, Jesus. Yeah. Well, like I said, over here at LSU, same situation. I'm covering just two teams just with hot seat coaches, man. It's, I don't know what is wrong with me. It might be me, man, but at least I got the job before they figured that out. So, all right. Exactly. Um, for John Fields, I'm Matthew Bruni. If you uh, enjoyed it, uh, feel free to follow, subscribe, send to a friend, leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Mean Green 247. Subscribe to Mean Green 247. We're going to have a lot of basketball content coming your way over the next couple of weeks with the season starting oh, in three weeks, I guess, from now at this point. Um, yeah. Really excited for that. Uh, so check out the site for that. And, you know, any maybe news that might be worthy in the coming weeks. We'll see how all that plays out. Um, but yeah, subscribe, leave us a like, follow, all that good stuff. Uh, we appreciate it. Follow John on Twitter at JohnField0 and follow me on Twitter at Matthew Rooney underscore. Yep, we appreciate y'all for joining us. We'll talk to y'all later.